I've benefited from mentors, especially in school. And then also like just maybe it wasn't like necessarily a direct mentorship, but like people surrounding you and the kind of voice in your head or the thought pattern that you start to pick up from others. And a really interesting moment that we're in right now is that you can see how people think and what how they work to some degree when you've never even met them before because people are putting their work out into public domain in the way that you could maybe like be studying under, you know, a great architect and you're looking at their work. It's now becoming more possible to see the work, see the thought pattern of other minds that you don't even directly work with. But yeah, I'm really excited to have definitely been influenced by others and also been in situations where there is no mentor and having to chart, you know, your own path. Welcome to our Roundtable Chats, a fast-paced discussion series dedicated to opening up the conversation in the architecture and engineering industry. We want you to join in the conversation each week where we share what inspires us, what we want to improve in the industry, and how we can help each other get there. This is a new event, and we'll be joined weekly by members of the Monograph growth team here. Everyone on the roundtable today studied and practiced in the industry, so we're very aware of the pain points and stressors that come with working in the industry. Today, we're going to be discussing mentorship models with colleagues here, uh, Chris Morgan and Sylvia Lee. All right. I think uh, to kick it off, I'm going to throw it to uh, both of you here, and I'd love for you to kind of relate back to your own experiences. How would you define mentorship? Maybe, Sylvia, we can start off with you. I feel like I've experienced it different ways. I've been in firms where they want to support mentorship and they'll put money and link up, they'll support you financially where like they'll have events quarterly with a mentor that they pair you up with. But I think like four times a year with someone, while it's a great experience, it's not really developing myself in the career as much as I would like. I think I've always wanted to link up with someone who was in a role that I wanted to move into like a project architect where I can really get like, into their brain, learn from their experience. Because so much of the job, like you start off knowing what you know, but you don't have the years of experience that someone with like decades has. And I feel like if they could have shared like their, the tips that they picked up along the way that you just know from practice, like I feel like that would is an invaluable experience that I was always searching for in my career. So that's what my ideal type of mentorship would look like. I think there's a lot of really interesting variants on the mentor idea. Um, I, I'm excited to get into here. I've benefited from mentors, especially in school. And then also like just maybe it wasn't like necessarily a direct mentorship, but like people surrounding you and the kind of voice in your head or the thought pattern that you start to pick up from others. And a really interesting moment that we're in right now is that you can see how people think and what how they work to some degree when you've never even met them before, because people are putting their work out into public domain in the way that you could maybe like be studying under, you know, a great architect and you're looking at their work. It's now becoming more possible to see the work, see the thought pattern of other minds that you don't even directly work with. But yeah, I'm really excited to have definitely been influenced by others and also been in situations where there is no mentor and having to chart, you know, your own path. So yeah, I'm excited to get into it. The way I've defined mentorship is, I guess, across a lot of different axes. So like you have, you can look at mentorship from this kind of passive approach where 
you're absorbing through osmosis. It's because you've been paired up with someone who might be able to, at a certain cadence, either you're shadowing them or you're looking at how they work. And that kind of absorption can happen through, as Chris is saying, right? Like through YouTube or through other forms of content that exist out there where you can kind of just see people and how they work. The other one, the other way of mentorship is a bit more structured and it actually lies more with like actually reporting an organization structure. So it's not very passive, it's very active and engaged. And so in that approach, and one that, I, that I've that i picked up along the way, working outside of architecture has been more on like actually having people who report to you. And this is actually uncommon. And we talked a little bit about this last week in our, in our previous round table, but you know, the idea that you could have someone whose sole responsibility or one of their main responsibilities is ensuring that you're growing and that you are getting the feedback that you need at a much more regular cadence. And I'm not talking about like performance review cadence, which is like either semi-annual or annual. I'm talking really about like either every other week or once a month, a time in which the person who's being mentored gets to talk about the issues that are important to them whether that's what they're working on and just needs to like they're in their head and they need to be unblocked or thinking about their career in general and just want to bounce off of you like some feedback on that front. And it can be all, you know, it's, it's just that time and space to be able to provide feedback and for across different types of topics. And hopefully the outcome is that you have a, the, the person receiving the feedback is improving over time. And you can, I mean, from our experience here at Vogme, this is how we've approached it from the marketing team perspective. And it has been very effective to be able to track also the, the changing perception of people. I think even from, from my position, it's really helpful to understand how people are changing over time. And not even on performance, just like even their attitude towards the role that they might have, right? It's And this is where it seems like architecture firms are not really set up organizationally to approach this. And we've heard about some firms that have, have designed it this way. Joanne, who's part of the team, but wasn't able to jump on for this. She expressed that Gensler started to move into this direction of having a, a person that would be your advocate for you. And that's kind of another relationship of mentorship, but it's clear that there's different ways to look at it. And the question here is like, what's architecture been missing, I think? And what are the opportunities from there? I think one thing you'll you'll hear often is like a lot of things are only possible when you're really large. And so you'll hear stuff about like what Gensler's doing or when I was at SOM Chicago, we had a whole series in terms of internship program where you were going every week to a different place and there were people dedicated to your onboarding experience and your learning and who you were being introduced to and understanding like how PMs think or how principals are working, technical leaders are working. And then the opposite side of this in a really small office is more thinking that like you learn everything through osmosis by being very close to principal level, which you might not have full access to when you're working in a large firm. And where the idea is that like just being in the open office, listening to things happen, that might be sufficient. At least it's kind of like a low effort way to have kind of more tactical view over what's going on in a daily basis. But I would say that like, just to take away the word mentoring for a moment too, like, and I'd love to hear other people's perspectives from the room, but um, I, there's some other words that I think would be really interesting to like pair next to mentoring. So coaching, tutoring, apprenticing, 
great word, great term that came up within conversation with Ian Rolston and, and Farida Abu Bakari was about sponsorship. And it really changed my viewpoint on how to think about what the dialogue is between you and another person. If you think about mentoring, you always sort of think about one-on-one and like a closed interior space. But what's so interesting about sponsorship is that it's like, it's external facing. So how do you empower someone, not through a one-on-one dialogue, but in terms of your ability to create opportunity for that person outwardly? I love that idea. Uh, I had never even heard it before, but you know, you, you sometimes will see it and maybe you, you'll hear the term advocate, but a sponsorship feels even more active in terms of taking responsibility to, to empower opportunities for someone that you're helping grow. Yeah. And to add to that, I think like in addition to sponsoring, it's also like a championship or like supporting those that are around you. Because I think like people say this a lot that like the way you view yourself is completely different than the way other people view you. So maybe mentorship has like a very specific way that people think about it, but we should really create a culture where we like cheer each other on and like share of all the great things about each other. Because sometimes if you are in a big team or in a big office, like your manager doesn't get that experience of working directly with you. So sharing what is really good about each other is helpful. And I think creates a really good environment. Yeah. I love that. It's so visible in Slack. Like I would say one of the most important infrastructures of work, let's say it's remote, but I would say like in general, I can't imagine working without this kind of like space. Slack is so infrastructural, you almost forget it exists, but I really see it as a replacement of space, a replacement of office space. And what falls away in terms of physical space emerges through communication, increased communication, increased, and not only communication directly in the present, but the whole history of communication and patterns of communication. And so exactly what you're talking about, Sylvia, in terms of cheering others on and celebrating people's work and recognizing people's work so that not only people are energized by the work that they do, and you also are as a, in a leadership position, recognizing the details that people do, but also so that colleagues that don't work directly can recognize the value created from the teammates without having to have direct access to working with them. I've been looking for an opportunity to, to speak to Slack, Slack as like a, one of the most infrastructural elements of work, especially remotely, but like just to kind of add to that, Sylvia, I would say like tactically, the way that this really shows up is is how active and communicative and responsive and energizing Slack is around celebrating the details of the work that people are bringing. Yeah, that's a really great point too, especially, you know, Monograph is a fully remote company and we have employees in Europe, Canada, US. And I think the way that firms have been traditionally set up as co-located spaces where everyone works in the same HQ, offloaded a lot of responsibility of over-communicate or of communication to just visibility. You know, if you see someone present, that was an indicator of engagement in some sense. What Slack has done is not necessarily fully replaced the idea of engagement because even then like contributing to channels is kind of its own form of visibility. But I think that's, it just underscores even maybe further the importance of having an advocate in that remote environment in order to be able to highlight the work of what someone's doing across all different types of levels. So I think there's like a, it's not scientific, but at my time at WeWork when it was about 15,000 people and Slack 
was the water cooler. It was really fascinating to see that the same names across the entire company were showing up in Slack. And I think there's like an 80-20 rule of how, how people show up and how they're visible just because they're super engaged. And so if it's only 20% of your entire company that's really engaged in these kind of like more uh, community platforms, you need other people there to be able to like celebrate the wins that are happening for the team and really like show like, hey, really thankful for the work that Sylvia is doing or Chris is doing and really amazing what we're doing together so that other people can telegraph that and understand like, oh, like, you know, wow, this is so much, who's Sylvia? Like, I wanna learn, I wanna know more about Sylvia. And we even do the other things where going back to the previous comment about mentorship is sometimes seen as this other, this, another way to look at mentorship might be that it's someone with more experience kind of like through uh, that you're learning from. We all do other things within Mon Monograph because of the fact that we can't be co-located where we have, actually it's Donut, right? It's a, we use this like plugin called Donut, which pairs people up across the company randomly every week for a 30 minute meeting. That force, it's a forcing function for like meeting new people, if like, especially with a growing team, but it does help to reconnect people that might have might not otherwise get to because they're in a different part of the organization, whether you're in engineering. And like, imagine if a firm was able to like pair someone up and like, hey, you, you connect with someone in finance for 30 minutes virtually on the finance team, or you connect with someone else in, who knows, like procuring, whatever, whatever it is, right? That starts to create more of a hive mind mentality. And like, I can't stress enough how important that piece is too. It's not just even the mentorship you might get from someone with more experience in your same role, but also the situational awareness that you get from meeting other people and learning from them about their own experiences. Because then you've now added to your Swiss army knifeness, if there's a way to say that, right? Like you are now, when you're making decisions, you understand the impact that it has in other places in a more empathetic way. And it's like, that's a kind of another piece to this that it's intentional. It's not like like applying donut was an intentional decision made by Fallon and our people team, I think maybe Mo too, one of our co-founders, in prepping for this idea that we're going to be a growing company. We are remote and we need interconnection. So just wanted to add that piece there too. I think the peer groups, or first there's that hierarchical difference, and then sometimes it's important to have peers, people who are maybe in your same position in a different company that you're you have a dialogue with. Otherwise, you know, how are you learning? Like the the opportunities to learn on the job are actually extremely limited. It's difficult to set aside time to learn new things that's uncertain and is unproductive compared to like the straight path downhill when you know what you need to do for production. And it's hard to create space for that, especially if the organization doesn't communicate the value of that. So finding peers, peers can help you as well. And that's kind of the really big idea about our community of Monograph is whether it be people at different experience levels and learning from them or also in the same just peer level so that you have someone to run ideas off of or your approach, approach off of. I, I get questions all the time about things that people are really wondering. You can tell that people are kind of lonely in their position because they don't, they don't have people really to talk to at work. They don't have people to talk to in their friend group necessarily, you know, from school or from previous jobs. They're not really connected to a professional network. They don't have people in their family they can really talk to about. I mean, who do they have to talk to other than like maybe their partner is the sounding board? Um, but yeah, this, this is a real problem that people have, myself included, uh, you know, all of us here. And that's kind of the big idea about spurring these kinds of conversations. I will say that like 
we definitely want to get other people into this dialogue. So just raise your hand if you're interested. I'm going to throw one of the questions out that someone brought in here. So what would you say is the best way to set up Slack to optimize what we're talking about in terms of celebrating colleagues across um, the workplace? I would say Chris does a really good job of this in our Slack channel because he's like always celebrating the wins. Like anytime, like you can sense his enthusiasm, but he's just like, and we, there's always, I think like Slack is big on emojis, but I guess we also embrace that and like gifts, but it's like, he's just cheering everything that we like create or any event or like any email that goes out because, and it just celebrates it, which is like encouraging for other people to like cheer on too. I don't think like there's anything particularly special with um, the channels, but I think we do also try to have personality in the monograph channels. Like there's a cooking channel, like just a lot of ways to share your personality as a person, not just an employee that works on in one part of monograph. Like we're all well-rounded people with lots of different interests. There's music. So I think that's a value of monograph, right? Being people first. So be a person and celebrate each other's wins. This is a long while ago, earlier in the year, but we had this great, we would do this show and tell every Friday as an all hands meeting across the company where each of the team members would share some, just bring something to the table to share quickly. And a great thing that really changed the way I thought about Slack was one of the engineers on our team, Steven, brought up, it's a company from a company handbook called GitLab. It's like one of the largest remote companies ever, I think now a public company. And they, as a part of their handbook, which is actually publicly accessible, they have this message where I'm paraphrasing here, but it's basically like never send a, a private message in Slack. Now, granted, except for particular exceptions, but the whole idea is that every time you put a question out into the open, it's an opportunity for people who may have the answer to um, who you didn't think you were you know, targeting the right person, maybe to chime in about either a solution or maybe a variant on the context, or it also provides visibility to the entire team, if anyone's curious, whether it be in the present. But as I'm saying, like one of the most important values of Slack is the look into the past, like look at the entire history of communication so you can reference. And I try as much as I can to, when I have some kind of uh, insight, I try to kind of extract that into like a more distilled view, making it easier to quickly look back at like an idea or an insight that we've, we're really like putting into record, this is like achievement unlocked in terms of getting through a challenge. I very much agree because I think the other benefit of this is you can, I, I go back to thinking about this book uh, by Andy Grove called High Output Management, where one of the great like equations is like the output of a great manager. I think I'm going to paraphrase here. The output of a great manager is not only the output of the team that works under that person, but also the output of the people that work adjacent to that person, which is a flip, right? When we normally think about management, we think about it within the silo that you're operating with, but what Slack allows you to do in like keeping open lines of communication, we might think that, wow, I mean, it could be a huge distraction, but actually there's a huge upside to just being able to again, leverage the hive mind mentality of a, of a firm, all the different backgrounds and experience and bring that to bear on a, on a specific question, which is allowing everyone to be a leader, right? It's allowing everyone to be an active participant, helping some other team out to basically scale up, right? Or helping them to kind of define before something like Slack, you have to really depend on centralized knowledge bases, 
which over time becomes stale because it's really hard to maintain an upkeep and it just changes. And so that's one of the benefits of being able, you know, we use Slack here. I know there's Microsoft Teams. I don't, I have never, outside of video conferencing, I've really used it much. But if the principle is the same, then like really like poking into other people's projects, if you're using a thread per or a channel per project, and just like looking at the questions that are being asked, what are the opportunities to like, is there a question that's being asked frequently? Can you take ownership? Because I also think part of the conversation around mentorship is that it seems like a one directional thing when in reality it's bi-directional. It's more of a state of mind. It's like you can be a mentor to someone else at any stage of your career. And you will learn as much from the person you are mentoring than you are. And so the ability to be able to provide feedback wherever possible and impact the work of other people is a great opportunity now more than ever to be able to do that. And you know, the, the flip side of that is that that visibility is appreciated and people will, you know, that, that goes a long way to other people for other people to be mentors to you and for you to be seen. But someone knows this, a manager's output equals the output of, it's, it's a bit old uh, text, so of their organization, the output of the neighboring organizations under their influence. I think that's the kind of benefit here, right? Where it's almost like even thinking about it less hierarchical, even though I talked about like the, impo- the important pieces of manager being part of the equation because otherwise feedback is not regular. But that doesn't mean that you cannot take ownership over your own mentorship and look at the different ways that we've talked about, like Chris mentioning, you know, uh, YouTube videos as one at one form of education or mentorship. Maybe to go back to the definition though, Sylvia, for you, like what's the expected outcome of mentorship? Like when you think about it too, like what are you hoping to gain from it? I feel like during this conversation, I like I really like the point made that mentorship is should just be like everyone sharing good things with each other, like good like knowledge and things that excite them with each other. I still really feel like there's a lot of value and that comes with someone's experience that I want to get. But it's like I also understand that it's really hard for someone to just like download it to someone. It works best if you get to work with them, which is not always the case. I think so then using the experience, the opportunities you have when you're working with people to like get as much out of them as possible. I will say from working with you and Chris directly, like you really set up this culture that where you encourage like action to happen, like just do it and like figure it out as you go along and like tweak it, you know, because you can always go back and tweak it. That's something that you've both expressed in different ways and also like expressed very strongly. And then that allowed me to put it into action, like even creating this event, like pretty quickly. So I feel like that in a way is like you're mentoring me. One point here that I think is really interesting. I didn't realize we would arrive here is that don't wait for the relationship to exist before you start doing the activity of mentoring. And so a great way to get started is just to start sharing, putting more of your thinking in public view so that people can tap in, whether it be in your organization or outwardly in your network or asking questions like maybe you don't feel comfortable sharing uh, something that you've now only recently realized or something you feel like is, is a breakthrough you've never heard anyone else articulate for you, though I would love to hear what that is and I'd love to follow what, what your thinking is. If you don't feel comfortable with that, just asking people in public is also a great way. That's something that I've found really effective and just being curious and open to hearing what other people have to say because so someone was onboarded last week. I've been 
I was telling her that my colleague, Darian, all of our colleagues, uh, Darian, I really value when people join the company or any company, because the fresh eyes that you have to look at what we do and, you know, be confused or, or things not being clear or, you know, wondering why are things not, why are things this way or versus that way? I love that moment when people who don't really have the context are asking questions. And as a result, for example, yesterday, you know, there was a question about, you know, why is this work or that work? I went researching, I brought that question into my context and we were able to find a whole new solution that I guess had been broken for a little while. We just hadn't really paid attention to it. So I really value that. And the way I thought about it is like Darren was saying, I've worked in organizations where it's like, you got to learn how they do it. And I think the mentality we have here is what should it be? We're always asking ourselves, what should it be? And when you come in, we want to include you also in the conversation. What should this be? And I, I think that that's the, I think the, the, the healthiest kind of relationship in general, working with people who are at a different level than you or peers with you, or even in a completely different context with you, is if you can at least be on the same bandwidth in terms of asking together, what should this be? <laughs> then you've got a, a great dialogue going on. And if only you could just make it a little bit more public so we could tap into it or people who, who are curious, they have someone that they could look for ideas from that, you know, you don't even have to have the relationship directly, just having that information out there so that they can find it when they need to. Anyways, I'd love if you could put it in our community too, that'd be awesome <laughs> because we're trying to make this kind of a knowledge base for the peers in this industry, all up and cross down, up and down the spectrum, emerging experienced leaders. It just, where are you? We got, we, we want to hear what you're doing. We do have a couple of questions that well, we are at almost at time, but with these questions, I'll try to get through them quickly. So question, both are from anonymous, could be the same person. How can you structure your organization where you can disseminate the knowledge throughout your org? How can knowledge move from experience knowledge from the principal's heads into the rest of the organization? I think I've seen it play out a couple of different ways where you could have a weekly or every two weeks town hall where the prints and it's recorded almost like a podcast, right? So that you have a record that people can go back to and listen to and maybe have a specific theme that you want to talk about and riff on with your team, depending on the scale that you're at. But that's a helpful way in which to like basically start to, dis to distribute that idea of like, what are the mental models that you use to help you prioritize or what's important or top of mind for you? I think the most effective thing from a leadership perspective that you could do is basically help people understand the way you think, like in a very explicit way, not wait around for people to try to in intuit how you are as a person, but be very explicit about like, here's how I make decisions based off of this rubric in my head. If it's not important, go fast. Don't talk to me. Just, just go. If it's something that we're going to like uh, invest a lot of resources and money to do, then let's slow down and talk to me and make sure that I understand what we're doing. And I, that's one way in which you can, but you know, having that thematic conversation in these in these type of gatherings is one way to do it. In my experience, mentorship has been a crucial component for professional development. However, what do you do when you have a mentor and they ghost you? Should the mentee continue reaching out or perhaps find another mentor that can best help them grow? Thoughts, comments? I feel with this question, I think it kind of underscores again, sort of like the the relationship of a mentor is fraught because it's it's a really like you're looking for a needle in the haystack opportunity where you have someone who's always on call and is just invested in you as a person. And that's very, that's very challenging. I think unless it's like, you know, once you get to a certain level in, in your career, 
there is the opportunity to get like executive coaches that are, you know, or a company might be able to sponsor executive coaches to help you have a dedicated person when it's kind of like through relationships, it's much harder. And so I think that's where community is a really good fallback to the idea of just putting all your eggs in one basket, so to speak, with just one mentor. And so with the community, you can, it's now different specialized knowledges, right? And different experiences you can tap into, not just a single person's perspective. And so I think that's like where, where you can probably best put your effort into is like being part of a community and engaging with that because you'll get a lot back. I don't know. Does anyone else have any ideas on that front? Yeah, I think that the challenge with mentoring and all of the messaging around it is that what your dependency on the mentor for success. I think that there are moments in, in my life where I have realized that the way I had thought about it as I sort of depended on the other person to continue to lift me. And it wasn't until I realized that they kind of, they couldn't, or the question I was asking just wasn't, it was missing where their thinking was. I realized that I had to take this on myself. And even to just be like really simple about it, I love this. There's this example when I was learning grasshopper in architecture school, and there weren't a lot of people who were learning this, but there was someone above a couple years above me. It was great reference point to help me. And I remember like, as I was learning through, like I was stuck with a problem. I was like trying to figure out how to do this. And I was like, I felt stuck. I was like, I knew that this person is going to help me solve it. So I was like collecting all my notes and stuff. And came back from break and I was sharing the context with them and they like just couldn't solve it at all for me. And I realized like they're not the stepping stone for me to take ownership over this. You know what I mean? So I remember recognizing that I had felt to some degree, like I depended on them to be able to carry me to the next level. And so that transcendence where you kind of transcend the hierarchy and you become sort of a peer yeah, I think is a really important mental breakthrough. I would almost consider that in general, we should think of ourselves as peers with way more people as opposed to hierarchically different. I would say that's probably something that's holding back a lot of people is that they're not giving themselves, they're not just, just bluntly assuming that they are a peer, you know, and that, that's kind of the nice thing about working in the professional world is you kind of like, it's this giant ocean of opportunity. And the more that the older structures of architecture fall away and get replaced in our hope, like a lot of the newer management philosophies that are in tech, is that you can transcend hierarchical structures much earlier in your career uh, than it used to be in, in architecture, where you'd basically, you know, just kind of be at a constant level for so long until you have any breakthrough professionally. It, it's not that case anymore. I mean, some places that are but you can just move to another firm where it doesn't work that way. Ooh, spicy take. All right. I think we'll, we'll end it on that note. Uh, Marjan had one final comment, I think, here. I really like Chris's comments about mentorship not being a dependent relationship. While I think that sponsorship is important, constructive criticism is essential. Uh, and she also references Sheryl Sandberg's, we no longer have career ladders, ladders we have jungle gyms. Thanks, Marjan. Uh, we I hope that we see we hear we see you in the comments on Thursday with the conversation with Lara. We we missed you in the past, I think, two fireside chats and you know, also Thanksgiving happened. But Marjan, great to see you. Well, that that concludes uh you know a roundtable conversation. Thanks everyone for joining us today. 
be on the lookout for the next topic. I don't know what the next topic is going to be yet. Do we have any sense? What should it be? Yeah, we could probably talk about leadership. I think there's there's a thread here about like ownership too, right? Mm-hmm. That we can kind of uh, talk about. So yeah, tune in next time for, for that uh, conversation. Yep, next Tuesday. See you there. Awesome. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Sylvia from Monograph. Thank you so much for joining us here. At Monograph, we're building the number one practice operations platform for small to mid-sized architecture firms. Monograph is designed for architects by architects. Over 450 practices are using Monograph today to run the business side of architecture. You can start a free trial or sign up for a demo today at monograph.com. Find out what a practice operations platform like Monograph can do for your firm. Get started at monograph.com. Talk to you soon.